0: We have been talking about the transformation that occurred from the resurrection to Pentecost and the Pentecostal experience on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. I'm bringing messages from that passage of Scripture through these days. And today I'm going to complete the first paragraph of the book of Acts by reading verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, flip on over there to Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while he, that is Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Next week, I want to talk to you about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. This week, however, I want to focus on the promise, what Jesus promised and what the Father promised. Yesterday, we were working on a project in the garage, and one of the paint cans had gotten old and when we tried to take the lid off, it was simply rusted together and glued into the can. And so I got a pair of pliers and I started peeling on it. And as I peeled on it, the metal rim on the bucket peeled up instead of just the lid. That's when I realized that there was a plastic bucket with a metal rim on it. I peeled the entire lid and the rim off of the bucket. And then I saw that the paper was already, already coming off the paint bucket, so I peeled the paint, uh, the paper off the paint bucket, and what did I have left but a black plastic bucket with a little handle? How many of you knew that's what a paint bucket is? It's a plastic bucket with paper wrapped around it and a metal rim on the lip. That's what it is. And I thought to myself, When I talk about transformation, some people are going to think that I'm talking about them getting a new wrapping and maybe a new lid. In other words, cosmetic changes. Janet was painting a bench. That was her project, that and a table. And I was doing this and that. And as she painted that bench, I realized this really looks different. But really, it's the same bench, just with a different coat of paint. It's a cosmetic change. People don't really change, some folks say. It's just cosmetic changes that happen to them. Like a fresh coat of paint or putting a paper wrapper on a bucket. But when I'm talking about the change that the Holy Spirit brings, you can see that talking about the Holy Spirit is talking about something going on inside of you, right? It's not about physical change. Everybody knows we change on the outside. I've been getting older. I don't know about you. Kelly Harris and me, we've been getting older, all right? And we can see it when we look in the mirror, if we're honest. The outside changes. Everybody agrees with that. We all know there are external changes that happen to us. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit, and that's the real you. And that's what people mean when they say people don't really change. That is, the real you doesn't really change. That's what they mean. The real you, your character, who you are, that doesn't really change. Well... The doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit is a testament to the fact that God really fundamentally changes people from the inside out. That it is possible for a person to change internally and fundamentally, not just cosmetic change, but fundamental and real change. So this is a great hope for everybody in the room. Who knows who you are and who you've been. And some, sometimes maybe says, well, that's just who I am. Maybe with the tinge of fatalism in your voice that this is just you. And uh, your loved ones need to accept you because that's who you are. Even though maybe they're not happy about it and you're not happy about it. There's a kind of fatalism in it to say, this is just who I am. Well, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, bringing fundamental change. And some of it happens immediately when you trust Jesus as Savior. Some things just drop off right away, right then. It's amazing what God does when we are born again by the Spirit. But not everything. Some things about us, God changes in the process of time And he says to us, like he said to the disciples wait. I want you to wait, Jesus said, for the promise. I don't like to wait. Do you know that about me? I will find the shortest grocery line, even though it takes me longer than anybody to get to the checkout. Every time I change lines, it's a delay. If I'm on a freeway, I change lines, and then my lane stops. Does that happen to everybody? I want to get done. I'm in a hurry, and I don't want to wait. Peter's like this. Peter doesn't want to wait. Give me a sword. Is this guy wicked? Let me cut off his ear. What are you doing, Peter? Peter just blurts things out. Peter doesn't like to wait. He's not a man about process. He's about action. And Jesus says, wait. Wait. And I know Peter groans inside, wait, my goodness, we got to wait. Jesus appears to them over a period of 40 days, talking to them about the kingdom of God. But Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days from Passover to Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. So there's about 10 days in there when they're just waiting. They're all together, they're praying, yes. They think of some things to do. Peter says, why don't we elect somebody to take Judas's place? So they do that. People wonder, is that a good idea, a bad idea? We never hear of Matthias again, but it was something to do during the wait. And while they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure they thought about the words of Jesus from John chapter 14 words they had heard perhaps for the first time in the upper room when Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Jesus talked about the one who was to come. And they reflected on these truths and one of the truths is God is with us. John 14, 25, and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus said. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You're going to have an advocate. In the old Bible, it was comforter. The Greek word is paraclete. And that's just a compound that means somebody who is called alongside of you, like the Miranda warning. I've never had anybody read me the Miranda rights. I'm glad we do that when somebody's arrested. I hope it never happens to me. But if it does, one of the things they're going to say is, you have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. Why do you need an attorney, dear arrested person? Because you probably don't understand the system you're about to enter and the ins and outs of this system and how you can go from one stop to another and maybe get out of the awful place. So you need an attorney, a counselor to be with you. Somebody who is called alongside you to accompany you to court and before the judge and help you navigate your way. So here's a positive word for the attorney, all right? All you lawyers who have taken the jokes over the years. The Holy Spirit is our attorney. He's our advocate. He comes along our side. He counsels us. He helps us through. And Jesus says now, this advocate is going to be another comforter. And when he talks about another comforter, he says, it's going to be the same kind of comforter as you have had. It's not another comforter of a different kind. It's another comforter of the same kind. They were terrified that Jesus was going to leave. He had left them before in his earthly body. And they'd had to look for him and find him. And they didn't know where he was. At times he would do that. And now he says he's going away, and they're terrified about it. And Jesus says to them, wait a minute. There's going to be another advocate, another counselor, another teacher, another comforter who God is going to send in my name. He's going to be just like me. And he's going to be with you forever. To be with you forever. The world won't be able to see him, but you will be able to see him. Because he lives, you will live also. He's going to be with you always. Some of you have been just a little jealous of Peter, James, and John because they got to see the Lord. They knew Jesus of Nazareth in the flesh. They got to see His resurrected body. And you've been just a little envious that you weren't in that place and you have to take their word for it and the stuff they said. You're sort of standing on their shoulders and you'd like to have been the one with your feet on the ground right there at the tomb. But Peter, James, and John They're a little envious of you. Because see, when Jesus was in that body, Jesus of Nazareth, he'd disappear sometimes. And they wonder where he went. Sometimes it all got to him and he was tired. He just couldn't take another sick person or any more noise. And so he'd go away to a secret place. Sometimes he'd pray all night. Sometimes they went with him. Sometimes they didn't. But every time he disappeared, the crowd and the disciples were looking for Jesus. Where's Jesus? And they're looking for Jesus. They want to find Jesus because he's the comforter. He's the counselor. He's the friend. He's the advocate. And we need him. But now you've got an advocate that never, ever leaves. And you've got to embrace this. You've got to receive it. You've got got to... Embrace the reality of what God has done for you. He has sent you an advocate to be with you forever, 24-7. Never leave your side. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is God with you. If you can apprehend this truth, the journey you are walking will be different if you can internalize it and make it your own, that God is with me, it will change the way you feel about the conflict, the trouble, the hardship that you're in. This is yours. And the advocate is not just there beside you. He is on your side. He is there to maximize life for you that's why the advocate is there so it's not only presence its advocacy he is your friend and it changes life to remember he is there now remembering is not easy to do there's probably somebody in this room who is not experienced the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in your life in the last 24 hours. You've probably lived the last 24 hours without even thinking about His presence. And you've gone through some things and struggled with some things. Maybe you've had some relational difficulties and things have happened to you and you haven't even been aware that God is with you in the powerful presence of your Advocate And brothers and sisters, that weakens you, and that has got to change. There's got to be built into your life and into your mindset the remembrance that God is with me in this moment. It needs to be perpetual, but there need to be markers in every day. I think that's why Jesus, when he sat down to eat with the disciples, taught them all kind of things. What I just read he taught them while he was eating with them. What we just observed in the bread and the cup, he taught them and gave to them while he was eating with them. Most everybody eats about, well, three times a day we try to keep it down too, right? <laughs> All right? Three times a day. Hey, that'd be a great way to approach every meal to at least put in your mind the marker, before I eat this breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I am going to say thank you to God and really mean it. I'm going to, in other words, acknowledge His presence, that He's with me. I'm going to remind myself that this food is provided by Him, and I'm going to remind myself that Jesus is my Lord at least three times a day. If you can start in your commute when you get in your car to start talking to God instead of all the erratic bad drivers that are around you. If you can start disciplining yourself when you get in your car, when you slide into the seat to say, this commute of 20 minutes is an opportunity for me to talk to God. You can talk to God legally while you drive. It isn't going to lessen your attention to the road. It will not disguise sounds around you if you will talk to God while you drive. What we really ought to be doing is what Paul instructed us to do pray continually. I have known some people and I have tried to practice a perpetual dialogue with God so that when I am exercising or driving or whatever, I remind myself I can talk to God now and I start talking to God and He starts talking to me. This is practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and it changes the way that I handle troubles that come my way. If I remember God is with me. Sometimes I am stranded in my own resources, my own energy, my own power, and I feel so helpless because I cannot change things. And then I remind myself that I am not alone in whatever difficulty or conflict I find myself embedded, that God is with me. His advocate is beside me. He's not only here, but He's on my side, and it makes all the difference in the world. God is with us. I will not leave you comfortless Jesus said I will come to you that's what he told the disciples I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you in a little while the world will see me no more but you will see me what's he talking about he's talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life sometimes he's called the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ in the New Testament but it is It is God with you. It is Christ with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Appropriate this, okay? You're walking this thing alone. You feel isolated. You feel like nobody understands. You feel like nobody's on your side. You're wrong. God sent his advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And he is powerfully present in your life you need this truth it makes you stronger it changes the way the world looks it changes you from the inside out to be cooperating with the holy spirit in the work that he is doing in you and every time you have a challenge in your life you can just say as you go to that meeting as you go to that interview lord i am yours and i know You are with me and I commit this unto you and I pray you will guide my words that you'll be with me as I relate to this difficult person and it can be transformational on a daily basis to remember what God has done for you in sending the Holy Spirit. This is the promise. It is a dramatic promise. When the Spirit comes on Pentecost, it changes the world. Literally, the world has changed when the Spirit descends on Pentecost and the church of Christ is born and these fearful disciples are empowered, the world is just a different place. And the same will happen in you when you become aware of the abiding, empowering presence of God in your life through the Holy Spirit. God is with us. God testifies about Jesus. This is John chapter 15. Jesus said this to the disciples on the night that he sent Judas out of the room and Judas went to betray him. Jesus says in John fifteen twenty six, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The advocate, the counselor, the teacher, the comforter, he's going to do something. He's going to testify about Jesus. The advocate now turns witness The lawyer becomes a witness. He takes the stand and raises his hand to testify about Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is God's one and only Son. The Holy Spirit is in the world today to draw all people to the Savior. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. He spoke this to testify about the death he was going to die. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. He is making the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus come alive in the minds and hearts of people. He is energizing the Scripture in your life that is written about Jesus. He is communicating in an intimate and personal way the truth which is not only on the pages of Scripture and history, but also written in the channels of your heart if you are a believer. He is bearing witness to Jesus. And Jesus says, not only will the Holy Spirit testify about me, but you also must testify about me. So the apostles go out into the world to tell the world about Jesus. They testify to Jesus. And brothers and sisters, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in the world. Today, he's testifying about Jesus. He's helping people understand and know Jesus. When the light comes on in somebody's life and they say, I believe that Jesus is the Savior, sent from God, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He is sent into the world to convict this world of sin and righteousness and judgment and to help them see the Savior. That's his job. When you... Testify about Jesus, you are cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today. I know it's not politically correct. I know the name of Jesus is divisive sometimes and causes conflict sometimes. And people, when you say a prayer in public sometimes, don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus. In fact, they'll say that specifically sometimes. Please don't Pray in the name of Jesus. I've heard that before. I do a lot of public praying. Sometimes I have to decide, okay, am I going to go to this event and lead in prayer like they've said and stay within their parameters, or am I going to say no because I'm not going to offer my prayer without praying in the name of Jesus? I have to make that decision. Sometimes you do too. We can be sensitive, okay? We can be aware of our circumstances. We can be honest. But what we cannot do is stop talking about Jesus. We can't do that. If, Amen. If, if we do, if we take Jesus out of our public vocabulary, we have abandoned the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today. He's pointing to Jesus. He's testifying of Jesus. That's why he's here. The Holy Spirit is not here honking his own horn. People want us to talk more generically about God. The supreme being. They're sort of okay if you don't give the term God any definition. Because philosophically you can do a lot of things with a theocentric ethic, so we can all kind of get on board. And I understand how to build coalitions around ethics that other religious groups share, but that's not my purpose or calling in the world. God has sent us into the world to bear witness and testify about Jesus, And his name is powerful out there in the world. It was back then. They wanted to know. Peter and John went out and they healed that man. And they wanted to know, what name did you use to do it? That's where we get that text from Acts 4.10. If you want to know why this man stands before you all today, then let it be known to everybody. It is by the name of Jesus that he's been healed. And then he says these cataclysmic words, and there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. To whom shall we go, people? Is a generic God really God at all if the Creator God has acted to rescue you by sending his one and only son Jesus and you choose in public to ignore or deny that fact are you being faithful to the one who made you I am pushing you into a corner I want you to decide about Jesus. I want to hear the confession, Jesus is Lord. This is the only way. It's the only name. This is the conviction that goes to my heart. Do I understand how to navigate in a community that just wants a generic God? I can do that. And maybe I can do some good on a public welfare scale and get some bills maybe passed and help some people out. But that's not my job. I'm here to give testimony to the Christ of Calvary who left heaven's throne and became a man in order that he might rescue us from our sin. What are you going to do with sin if Jesus didn't come and pay the price for you? See, you got a problem you cannot solve with the generic God. It is Christ alone who laid down his life in order that you might know freedom from sin and guilt and a righteousness that comes through faith in him. I walked the levee last night, and I was talking to God, and I was saying to God, I believe and confess that you sent Jesus to be my Savior and the Savior of this world, and I want you to help me Say it in the clearest and most powerful way possible. There is no other name. I believe fundamental transformation occurs in a human being that he is changed fundamentally, not improved on a moral scale, but fundamentally changed spiritually in the inner man when Jesus saves him. I believe it literally to be true that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things pass away. All things are become new. Anybody can do cosmetic change. But to reach down inside a human heart that has a rift of sin that reaches to the very center of the soul, The only surgeon I know that can repair such a spiritual breach is Jesus, who hung between heaven and earth for us. So that's who we are. God testifies to Jesus, and God brings glory to Jesus. The Scripture says... This is Jesus talking to his disciples in John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. He will glorify me. We've got spotlights up here on the catwalk. And it looks, Eric, to me like they're all pointing right here. I'll bet that's on purpose. Because we're lighting up this spot right here with these spotlights. God has a spotlight too. And he shines it into the family of man. And he's got his spotlight honed in on Jesus of Nazareth 24-7. There's one place he wants you to look. There's someone he wants everybody on the planet to see. His name is Jesus. And Jesus was the brilliance of God's glory, according to Hebrews 1, 3. And he was the exact representation of his being. Jesus, in fact, was the climactic word that the creator God had to say to us. And every time you see the spotlight of God, going to Jesus of Nazareth and that's where we as Jesus people must keep our spotlight too. and when we seek to exalt the Savior Jesus Christ the Lord the Holy Spirit is at work in our life accomplishing what we cannot do on our own and bringing the transformation that only He can bring. Bow with me, please. As we pray and talk to God who is among us, the Holy Spirit who fills this room with His presence, somebody needs to know in this room that the journey you are on is not by yourself, that God is present with you, and that he is your advocate you need to remember again as you head to work Monday or go to school that he is forever present with you and this is the message the holy spirit which wishes to bring to your heart somebody here has taken the spotlight off jesus onto other things and god is speaking his transforming word to you and saying I sent my son this is my son whom I love listen to him exalt the Savior in your life somebody's hearing that today and for somebody this is the Spirit's call to make the decision about Jesus to receive him as Savior confessing your sin and trusting in him Holy Spirit of God, we acknowledge your presence today. God, we seek to please you with the answers of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.